Now it's time for the message. I'd like you to take your Bible, please, and turn to Psalm 1. The book of Psalms is precious to all of us. It's been precious to God's people for millennia, and it is certainly precious to us today. I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 1, a passage that many of us have memorized, a passage that is uh, appropriate for uh, us today. It's a passage I had planned to preach and now we are coming to it. Life is uh, always changing. It's always moving. No two days are the same. I begin my daily routine in scripture and prayer. And then as I have my breakfast, I read the internet news, dominated these days by the outbreak of the virus and how various countries are combating it. And so I begin my day mixing the unchanging word with the changing daily news, mixing the eternal with the immediate. And many of you do the same. Well, in the Christian life, the Christian life is an adventure. It's life lived with God. Following Christ involves ups and downs, growth, as well as struggle, success, as well as failure progress and regress, both answers to prayer and puzzling delays. Christians sing, but sometimes we also cry. And in every corner of life, we find God. The Psalms are like that, finding God in every corner of life. They are poems about God and about life. They are hymns of thanksgiving and Cries of complaint. Some authors are delirious with joy, and others are heartbroken in despair. And doubts and questions are openly expressed. It's all here. The Psalter reflects the complexity of living with God in a fallen world. The collection of Psalms is planned, that it is edited. For example, it's, uh, it's divided into five books. And Psalm 1 is clearly, deliberately chosen as an introductory psalm. Psalm 1 is um, simple, yet profound, and certainly worth memorizing. It is a wisdom psalm, and it presents the doctrine of the two ways, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Um, we're going to read the text now, and I'd like you to follow in your Bibles as I read. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the word of God. Let's uh, bow in prayer and ask the Lord's blessing as we consider this psalm. Lord, help us to understand, help us to believe, help us to trust you, 
and guide our thoughts as we open your word. Father, speak to us. I pray that you would fit a word to each of us. You, Holy Spirit, you know each of our hearts and minds. You search our hearts and minds. And so we pray that you would speak to us and fit a word for each one, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, righteous in this passage are believers. Righteous through faith in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Remember how the Old Testament begins. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Old Testament as well as in the New. So the way of the righteous is the way of believers. We are righteous through trust in Christ, the crucified and risen Savior. We have no righteousness of our own. So we come to the psalm grateful for our Savior and understanding it in that very important context. The righteous do not walk or stand or sit in the way of the wicked. Uh, believers are first of all described by what they avoid. And there is progression here. Uh, the counsel, the way, and the seat draw attention to the realms of thinking, of behaving, and belonging. There's a climactic build-up in verse 1. In a time when our culture pressures us to think and believe as they do, approve what they approve, to join in with them, it is good for us to hear God's word here. The final description of evil is mockers, those who make light of God and make fun of his people. This is common in our culture. The proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name, he behaves with overweening pride, we read in Proverbs 21. That's the mocker. Instead, the righteous delight in God's law, verse 2. The law of the Lord, verse 2, is in sharp contrast to the counsel of the wicked in verse 1. This is what occupies the mind of believers. Now the word that's used here refers to, it could be translated, the instruction of the Lord. So it refers to the whole of Scripture. He meditates, he ponders the promises of God, his teaching, his commands, turning them over and over in his mind. This is the value of memorizing it, isn't it? Uh, many of us are memorizing a psalm of God's grace and protection in this time of quarantine and social distancing. Our souls are fed by God's truth. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we'll not fear, though the earth gives way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. So begins Psalm 46. We're memorizing various passages. So in Psalm 1, uh, it is intentionally set to introduce the Psalter and to, it sets the tone of meditation. The Psalms and all of Scripture is to be in our hearts day and night, our guide to prayer. A travelogue, as it were, 
of our walk with God. So if we are righteous through faith in Christ, we are called to live like it, meditating on his word and not neglecting it, obeying its teaching. This, uh, this means a life in contrast to the godless culture that defies God. Upon such a person, the blessing of God rests. We had to step back and think about that opening word, blessed or blessed. It's an emphatic word. This word takes us all the way back to Abraham, to whom God said, in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. This great covenant blessing of God is experienced. It is fulfilled. It comes to us in Christ. We read, for example, in the New Testament, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Or, Paul writes in another epistle, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so this psalm, pronouncing God's blessing, comes directly to us through Christ, pronouncing God's blessing on all who are trusting in Jesus Christ. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, we read in verse 3, a picture of life, of strength, and of faithfulness, or fruitfulness is what I meant to say, fruitfulness, um, bearing fruit in, his, in season. Now keep in mind, we, we might miss this, keep in mind this is written in an arid culture where water and watery places are highly valued. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. It pictures life and fruitfulness. Life and fruitfulness is the very thing that the Lord Jesus gives us. He gives us life that is in its full or abundant life, and fruitfulness is what he enables in us. Whatever he does prospers, we read in the last line of verse 3. This statement has been misunderstood. This is success are prospering and accomplishing God's work in doing God's will. This is not a promise of unvarying prosperity at all times. The Psalms know life in this world far too well to make such a promise. Just keep reading the Psalms and you see many complaints and puzzlement over the prosperity of the wicked. So do not be misled by prosperity gospelers who might quote the last line of verse 3 and ignore the rest of the Psalter. Uh, not, as, not so the wicked comes the next line in verse 4. It is a sudden and sharp and staccato contrast. Not so the wicked, it says. The wicked are like wind-blown chaff, Here's another image from nature. It contrasts the people who do not have God in their lives. Chaff is the dead hulls of grain sifted and thrown away. Now, we're not, we're not ancient farmers, so let me clarify the picture here. Winnowing grain was done in the cool of the day. 
when there would be a breeze. The farmer would toss grain into the air with a fork. The chaff, the husk is lighter and is blown away. The grain is heavier and falls down to the threshing floor. And so the grain remains, but the chaff is blown away. This is the picture of the wicked. They will be condemned in the jud on judgment day. They will not be numbered among the righteous. This is the ultimate tragedy awaiting those who have no reverence for God and no place for Christ in their lives. So in this psalm we have the way of the righteous blessed and the way of the wicked doomed and then the one who parts the ways, God himself in verse 6. The first word of verse 6 is the word for. The righteous are blessed and the wicked condemned because God so determines, verse 6. God is the judge who always does what is right. It is our relationship to God which determines the way we take and the destiny that results. The Lord knows or cares for or protects or cherishes the way of the righteous. The word that is used here could be translated in many ways. It is used of a loving, intimate relationship. And it is in the present tense. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Praise God. A powerful and precious promise for us uh, exactly in this time. Uh, when we're quarantined or we're off by ourselves maintaining social distance, the Lord watches over the way of his people. But the way of the, of the wicked leads to destruction. So here we have the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Jesus speaks of the narrow road following him, trusting in him, and the broad road rejecting him, leading to destruction. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. The psalm leads us directly to him. So those who follow the way of the Lord Jesus receive God's blessing now and forever. Let me tell you the story of Charles. Charles, Charles, longed to know God. Charles grew up in England. He had Christian parents, but he did not know how to become a Christian. He even knew the sentence in the Bible, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But he didn't know what it meant or what it was to believe in Christ. One Sunday he was trudging up Hyde Hill in Colchester on the way to church. Well, a blizzard, a blizzard came up and, and, and turned him into a small Methodist chapel with only 12 to 15 people inside. Well, the minister couldn't make it that morning, apparently because of the snow. So one of the members, one of the members of this small little congregation got into the pulpit to preach. Simple man. Maybe he was a tailor or a shoemaker, I'm not sure, but... His text was, look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. So the preacher began, my dear friends, this is a simple text. It says, look. Now that does not take effort. It isn't lifting your foot or your finger. It's just, look. 
Well, a man need not go to college to learn to look. Anyone can look. A child can look. But this is what the text says, and it says, Look unto me. Many of you are looking to yourselves. No use looking there. You'll never find help in yourself. Then the simple preacher continued, uh, Look unto me. I am sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me. I am agonizing in Gethsemane. Look, I am dead and buried. Look unto me. I rise again. Look unto me. I ascend and I am sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, look, look to me, look to me. And then he turned his attention to the visitor that morning, to Charles, and he said, Young man, you look miserable. And you always will be miserable in life and in death if you do not obey this text. But if you obey now, this day you will be saved. And then he said, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look now. Well, Charles was astonished. But he did look to Jesus Christ. And he received the Lord Jesus as his Savior on that day. And his last name was Spurgeon. This is how Charles Spurgeon was converted. Well, this psalm reminds us that we have real choices between life and death, between Christ and self. Who is God and who is Lord in my life? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we might have eternal life. As we gather under the cross, as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have protection. Protection from judgment, protection from punishment. Here we find salvation. Here we find the benediction, the blessing, the promise of God. And that is where we find our refuge, now and forever. Let's conclude this meditation this morning from Psalm 1 in prayer together. And if you're a guest and you need to turn to Christ today, as we bow in prayer, you can do that right at this moment. You can pray something like this, Lord Jesus, Please accept me. I accept you. I believe that you died taking my punishment and that you were buried and raised again. And I accept you into my life as my Savior. I trust in you. Lord, help me. Father, how grateful we are that trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ is simple yet profoundly transforming as we turn to you and trust in Christ, trust in you, our Father, and trust in the Lord Jesus, your Son, we find forgiveness and life. We praise you. And I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon each of your people as we listen to your word today, draw us close to yourself. We thank you for your promises to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you all. This concludes the message this morning.